I've never felt like I'm going to run out of money because if I get even close to that, I just go out and hustle a little more and make make more than I need. That's the nice thing about owning your own business is you can control like your income like that. And I, I think it's a beautiful thing to be a business owner. I'd recommend it to everybody. I'm at $230,000. Like I, I am not a millionaire that you're unveiling. But you know what? Like I feel like I listen to the podcast and all the, the level of freedom that the million dollars gets you. I feel like that is where I'm at. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back, everybody, to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, episode 207. This is Clark here with my co-host, Jace. Jace, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot, man. How you doing? Good. Doing well. You you sent me an article this week about the Saints football team, and at some point, they need to be sold, and, and just kind of got me thinking about sports teams and valuations, and especially in today's market where everything's going crazy. But what was on your mind there? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I, I've seen... You know, you and I both went to BYU. We've mentioned a few times before, and Gail Miller, the, the the wife of the late Larry H. Miller, sold the Utah Jazz not too long ago. They recently sold a bunch of their dealerships, and now Gail Benson, who's the owner of the New Orleans Saints and also the Pelicans, things have been kind of kept pretty quiet about the plans of the future, and just recently all that kind of came to light and basically what her plans are for the saints and the pelicans and eventually they're going to sell upon her death and all those proceeds are going to be donated to various charities in and around the city of new orleans and there's caveats that the teams need to stay in new orleans and all these kinds of things and they've you know it's a very well thought out plan and she's had a very influential role you know in in, in her family just in general but i guess she has no heirs and so, you know, she's got this plan put in place for what will happen. And I think she's in her mid-70s or so. You know, and I think a lot of these teams are are owned by owners that have owned them since the 80s or the 90s. You know, they've had very long ownership. We've seen a few traded in the last few years, but especially on the NFL side, there's there's been a lot of these teams that have been owned by the same owner for, for a very long time. And I, I, just, I just love this quote from her. She said... You know, in regard to this press release, I can't take it with me. God gives us gifts, and this is a gift. I'm a steward for this organization, and we help other people with it. My wish is to scatter all the good and gifts that God and Tom have given me to the city and community. So I thought that was super cool. You know, we've talked a little bit lately on the podcast about giving and how people structure their giving and what they do or what they don't do and what's the plan. And and here you go, you know, somebody's worth, I don't know, a few billion dollars. Hey, you know what? It's all going to charity. And some of that maybe that she didn't have any heirs, and some of it that's just her individual wishes. Maybe that's some of her former or her late husband Tom's uh, wishes as well. But yeah, I just thought that was super cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. While you were talking about that, I just I Googled uh, team average values in professional sports teams. And the NFL is is by far worth more, it seems like. I mean, this is some uh, study from Marquette University, so I don't know totally if it's accurate. But it says NFL is worth more, uh, NBA is worth slightly more than Major League Baseball, or just about the same on those two. And then the NHL, on average, obviously, you have your anomalies on teams, Lakers, Cowboys, et cetera. But 
anyway, kind of interesting, but yeah, pretty good perspective from her, right? Being in, in such a situation like that. Totally. So just as a brief recap here from last week, we had Cecilia. She was a, a corporate employee turned small business owner. So now has a coaching development business net worth of 1.5. This week we have Brandon. He's a window washer and has a window washing business. So net worth without the business counted is about $250,000. And then obviously more on top of that with the business. So just an interesting perspective from him. Uh, he has some in retirement accounts, some real estate and the rest in cash. A quick ask for our listeners, in the show notes of today's episode, there'll be a survey link. We're trying to understand who's listening to the show, help us understand kind of who to cater to, what our demographic is. So it's just a few brief questions, just a handful. It'll take you about 30 seconds to a minute to complete. So we just kindly ask if you could fill out that link. It would help us grow the show and and just try to figure out who our, our listener base is. That's hard to get otherwise in terms of who's downloading and listening. So that's in the show notes um, on any platform you listen to. Just hit that link. It'll be a Google Doc and just fill that out. It should just take 30 seconds. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for tuning in with us. And without any further delay, let's get into this week's interview with Brandon. Brandon, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, so I am I'm a window washer. I own, I've owned my own business for about 20 years. And I, I just started when I was like 11. And I've just slowly grown my business. You know, as, a, as an 11 year old, you're not doing that much. But you know, my business has been able to grow with me. And I've just been able to have quite a good lifestyle with my business and make as much money as I need to, but not, uh, not ruin the lifestyle that I want to build even with my business as I've grown it. So I've, I've washed windows for about 20 years. Um, I've got um, some side incomes that happen, but mostly it's just the window washing. So that's me in a nutshell. That's awesome, man. So window washing, are you doing commercial jobs or residential or both? My joke that I tell everybody is that I'm way too personable to do commercial work. So I, I love being with people. I love talking to the customers. So a lot of times I just do residential Obviously, we, we, we've done it all. We've done even high rises and things like that, or, you know, as high rises we get around here, like five stories. But yeah, I mostly do residential because I love it. Yeah, that the, the five story, I mean, the high rise or whatever you want to call it, I mean, that can get pretty sketchy, right? You got to have like a lot of equipment for that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were repelling off one of the university buildings and uh, it, it does, it gets, it gets a little crazy. You've got to have backups and backups for your backups and you got to do it all right and safe, but you know, it's, it, it's a little fun too to push those boundaries, but yeah. oh, I bet you get a little rush. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> too much of a rush. Sometimes you go off the edge of that building and you're like, you look down for even a second and your, your heart rate's up and you're focused. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Sure. So, so what's your net worth today? So, uh, uh for millionaires on Veld, I decided it was 0.23 million. So uh, <laughs> net worth of uh, 230,000. And and how is that broken up? I'm mostly in real estate and we have about $14,000 in mutual funds. We've got $27,000 in paid for vehicles. We've got about $30,000 in cash and then $142,000 in two townhomes and a building lot that we own. And no primary residence? One of the townhomes is a primary residence for now. Okay, and then uh, the other gonna, one's a rental. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna one's a rental and one's our primary residence, and then we're gonna build on that building lot um, over the next year or two, and then rent out the two townhomes and live on the live on the new house, live in the new house. 
Nice. That's awesome, man. And I'm assuming you're collecting rent on the other one? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. And that's cash flowing? It is. That's why we jumped on it. I wanted to buy like a fixer upper and, you know, get that, get that equity in there. But we just saw this one roll through and it was our return on investment was like 12% right from the get go. And that doesn't even include any inflation or, you know, the value of the house going up. So that's just the return on investment from the rents alone. That's pretty remarkable. So I want to rewind here. You started a window washing business when you were 11, you said? Yeah. Yeah, my I was I was always that kid that you know you're mowing lawns and you're you know asking for odd jobs and stuff like that. And there was a guy that lived by us that moved away to go to college, and he was washing windows in the town that we lived in. And so my mom just put the neighborhood directory down in front of us and made me call all the people. It was probably it was probably sixty houses on this directory, and she made me call all of them as an eleven year old and ask them if they want their windows washed and It was the best thing she ever did because i've just i've always had i've always had money i mean I went on a ton of dates in high school and I paid for all of them i mean i, I went on like eighty dates in high school and I paid all of them ladies man money yeah well, my friends and I had like a comp- not a competition, but we all had like a goal to go on a date a week for our junior and senior year. And nice. so we just, it was all first dates, like first dates with all the different girls. So yeah, that's it awesome. Was, it was fun. <laughs> that's awesome. Shout out to Austin rounds there. He's, he's the, <laughs> he's the one that we did that most with the ringleader there. That's awesome. So over the years, I'm assuming you've grown this business. What was it like when you were 11? I mean, what was your revenue? Like, do you even remember? Yeah. I mean, when, when I was 11, I, I remember I probably did seven or eight houses that year. I mean, it was probably $2,000 for the whole year. But I mean, at 11, that's killing it. And so that's the nice thing about my business that I've had is, you know, I can start that little and then be able to grow it to whatever I need. That That's the beauty of I've never, ha- I've never felt like I'm going to run out of money because if I get even close to that, I just go out and hustle a little more and make make more that I need. That's the nice thing about owning your own business is you can control like your income like that. And I I think it's a beautiful thing to be a business owner. I'd recommend it to everybody. So over the last, let's just say five years, what has been the evolution of your business? Yeah, that has been, it's been a little crazy because I definitely hit a point about six or seven years ago where I was definitely capped out at, at like I was working as much as I could. And I still wasn't making the money that I wanted to be making. And so I had to embrace that point where you have to have employees. And that was a hard jump. Like for anybody that's out there that's like self-employed and they're just doing it on their own, have somebody coach you with employees because employee, everything you need to know to start with employees and do it all right with the paperwork and making sure they're all legit and paying the taxes on it. It's a lot. And so that hurdle took me about three years to overcome and, and set the incentives right and do all the paperwork right. And so over the last few years, it's been find systems that employees can take care of, find ways of making it just work for them so that the work can just happen. And yeah, employees have been the, the name of the game for the last five years or so. And it's been it's been hard, but it's been I've been able to grow my business to double what it was or triple what it was five years ago because of employees. I, I couldn't have got there without it. Yeah, totally. So how many employees do you have now then? Um, I vary from about 
five to 10, um, depending on the season. Um, obviously with window washing, we're seasonal, but then in the winter time, um, where, where I live, it gets super cold. And so we don't wash windows from, you know, about November to Feb- the end of February. And so it's seasonal, but we go from, you know, five to 10 employees. And during the wintertime, are you just playing, relaxing, working to, to get jobs for the, the next season or what, what kind of takes place during the, the winter months? You know, I wish I was, I've got, I've got a, a window washer, uh, kind of a mentor that he has kind of gone down the same road that I'm going down and he hit the point where he would have fun during the winter time. But I just, I, I'm not that person yet. I just, I'm always hustling. So I always find odd jobs to do, or there's always prep you can do for the next season, you know, set up your advertising and set up, you know, your systems for the next year. But, you know, once I run out of that stuff to do, I'm out, there's always, there's always another hustle to be doing in the winter time. So, so I want to ask Brandon about, you mentioned employees, right? To Jace. Has it been challenging to grow the business and to find good employees? You know, that's the game. I feel like everyone wants to complain about employees, but I feel like it's just understanding. Like you can't, everyone expects an owner level commitment out of employees and expects to pay them an employee wages. And I feel like once you accept the fact that that's not the case, like I've got a team right now that I wouldn't trade for anything. Like I, I, I love my team. I genuinely love them. They're, they're like family. And do they have the same commitment or the same drive that I would do? Not even close. Like they're not even, they're not even have, they wouldn't even do half the crazy things that I would do to make the business run, but that's okay. They don't have to, that, that this isn't their baby. This business is my baby. And so, you know, I feel like it's easy to complain about employees, but you know, you just have to take what the mark what you have out there and make do with the best you can. So, no, I, I I think that you know you find good veins and you get referrals from those people. But I, I think that everyone's on their own level and you just accept them for where they're where they're at. Yeah, good answer. So along this business and as as you're growing it, it's making me think about when you went back. Right, you started when you were 11. Did you do it consistently until now, or was there a pause where you got out of it and then decided at some point to get back in, or has it always been consistent? Yeah, I, I've washed windows every single year since I started. I mean, there was always like times when you know, you know, as you're trying to find yourself and like figure out what you want to do with life, like there was. I would split my time like 50-50 with window cleaning and do, trying something else, or especially in the winter time, I would try other things. For example, I graduated um, from college in 2013, and I was like, you know what? This window washing thing, it's for 11-year-olds. I'm going to try a big kid job. And so I just watched for about a year and looked for like a job that I could replace window washing with, and I, I found a job that I felt was good for my skill set. It was insurance auditing, which in hindsight, and when I say that, it sounds terrible because it is. But I so I split my time 50-50 for about two years with insurance auditing and window cleaning. And man, big kid jobs are just so overrated. Like I, I never made as much money doing it. And I never even got close to enjoying it as much as I as I do window cleaning. Like and that's the thing that I've committed to now is like, I genuinely love my job and I don't make as much as I could be making with some other jobs, I think, but I love it. I love window cleaning and I love the lifestyle and I love like everything about 
the system that I have that I, I don't think I'll ever leave window cleaning or what I have going on. So I've found a groove and I, I love it. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, right? Is is you did go to college, you graduated, right? And then at what point did you say, okay, this is what I want to pursue or, you know, I'm going to go back and do something different. So I was just curious on that. So let's talk about lifestyle. You mentioned lifestyle. What is your lifestyle? How many hours a week do you work? Do you have flexibility on your time? Obviously, you, you value that, right? As you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, my wife's favorite thing in the world is going on vacation and she just, she can find some good deals sometimes. You know, they've got online things you can subscribe to. They tell you about all the cheapest flights. And so she'll snag, she'll snag some cheap flights. She'll look at my schedule and know that I'm not scheduled out that far. And she'll snag some cheap flights and we'll go to, we'll go to South Carolina or we'll go to Georgia or we'll go to California for a little while. And, you know, the flexibility being a business owner like that, like I just pretend like I've got appointments through that time and nobody misses me and nobody even notices that I'm gone. It's just uh, the flexibility that this job offers is awesome. And then, you know, like there's no, there's no such thing as a window washing emergency. Nobody, nobody calls me up at, at 9 PM and says, Oh my gosh, my window was looks so bad. I need you here tomorrow. Like there's no, there's no emergencies. And so my stress with my business is very reasonable. Like it, I'm not saying there's no stress, but I'm not sweating bullets about, am I going to be able to get everything I need to get done in the next day? So the lifestyle I have with it is, is awesome. I just, I love, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it just going off that, I think it's a good time to bring in the story we talked about right before we started recording, the fisherman and the banker. And I oh, think yeah. s- some people have probably heard about this or read this story, but I don't think we've shared it fully on the show. So you, you mind sharing it with us just because I think it's yeah. important to you and it's a, it's a good concept overall. Yeah, I heard this story a long time ago and I, I just feel like it resonates with me. Like, um, And so I, I found this story. I cut out as much of the fat as I could. So um, this is this is the condensed version of the story. Um, so I'm not quoting, but I'll just I'll just read the story that I got. There once was a, a businessman who was sitting on the beach in a, in a small Brazilian village. As he sat, he saw a Brazilian fisherman rowing a small boat towards the shore, having caught quite a few fish. The businessman was impressed and asked the fisherman, "How long does it take you to catch that so many fish?" Fisherman replied, "Oh, just a short while." Then why don't you stay out longer and at sea and catch even more? The businessman was astonished. This is enough to feed my whole family, the fisherman said. The businessman then asked, so what do you do for the rest of the day? The fisherman replied, well, I usually catch fish in the morning and then in the afternoon I play with my kids and sometimes I take a nap with my wife. In the evenings I go join my buddies in the village for a drink. We play guitar sing, dance throughout the night. The businessman offered a suggestion for the fi- for the fisherman. I am a PhD in business management. I could help you become a more successful person. From now on, you should spend more time at sea, try to catch as many fish as possible. When you have saved enough money, you could buy a bigger boat and have a team to catch the fish. Soon you'll be able to afford even more boats, set up your own company, and have your own production plant for canned food and a distribution network. By then, you'll have moved out of this village to Sao Paulo, where you can set up uh, headquarters to manage your other branches. The fisherman casually asked. And after that, the businessman laughs heartily. You'll be rich and retire. The fisherman continues. And after that, the businessman says, I, I don't know, maybe you'll 
find a nice spot by the beach to live and maybe play with your grandkids and take naps whenever you want because you're old and tired. In the evenings, you could go hang out with all your friends and have drinks and sing the night away. And of course, the fisherman looks at the man puzzled. Isn't that what I'm doing now? And I feel like that really is like my story. Like, I feel like what I, you know, you look at that person that's retiring, you're like, what are you going to do with your life now? And I'm like, I'm doing all the things I want to do. Like I go talk to all my friends that are my customers. Like I check in with all my friends a couple times a year. I get the instant gratification from cleaning a window. And when you get done with the cleaning a window and it looks good, like I get like this nice endorphin rush and I am addicted to it. I love it. And like, and I have no stress. And then I play with my kids. Like I, I just can't imagine how I would want to live my life any differently and I know that I'm on track to retire well still, even though I don't pay myself as much as I could if I worked harder. But I, I, this lifestyle I have is exactly what that fisherman has. Like it's exactly what I want for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, thanks for sharing. I think it's an interesting story overall. And there's different twists on it. I've heard it with like an investment banker and he's trying to convince the fisherman to like have his own distribution channel and processing plant. Right. And anyway, but it's a good concept overall and it's valuing time. Right. In a sense and saying, look, if why put in the long hours and take all the time and do all this when I can be doing exactly what I'm going to be doing in retirement right now. Right. Yeah. If that's what I'm doing. So let's, I want to dive into your mindset a little bit on that. How do you find that balance between time and money, right? I mean, what is it? So you say, okay, I'm at 60,000. Isn't there a part of you that wants to be at a hundred? Isn't there a part of you that wants to be at 200? I mean, especially with a growing business, right? At what point do you say, okay, this is where I want to get the business to. And this is how many hours I work. Uh, So funny. I feel like that plays in exactly to why I even called in. Because I'm like, I'm at $230,000. Like, I I am not a millionaire that you're unveiling. But you know what? Like, I feel like I listened to the podcast and all the the level of freedom that the million dollars gets you. I feel like that is where I'm at. Like, the state of mind that comes with the having your life planned out like that and knowing that you don't have to stress about things. Like, I have, I do have a net worth of $230,000. And if I need it, like if COVID all of a sudden hit where I live super hard and I couldn't work for the next year, I'm literally still okay because we have all the things we need to in place. Like even, even from like food storage and insurances and things like that, like I just don't have to worry about all the things that would come up. And so I feel like I really am at that millionaire state of mind where I don't have to worry about things as much anymore. Like, Uh, Like I've planned out all the contingencies for where life could go bad and I feel good. I feel good with where we're at. So you, yeah, net worth 230, you mentioned, right? Obviously you're fairly young, you have young kids. And so I thought, I think we we're we're happy you came on because it's fun to to share your story and see where you're at. And and then we'll kind of track you, I think going forward. So yeah, how, how much do you guys save a year? I don't think I've said this yet, but I, I only take uh, $50,000 out of my business each year. Um, sometimes the business is, my business is more than that, but I, I just keep it in there and, and buy bigger, more equipment, or I do things with it. And so I've only paid myself $50,000 for the last three or four years. And of that, we probably, we were probably investing 10 of it 
I think we live off of, so our budget has been $3,500 a month for the last four or five years. And we've just kept it at that. And then we've got taxes on top of that. I'm jumbling the math here, but off of my guess, I would guess that we've been investing about $10,000 a year for the last five years. Before that, you know, a little bit here and there, but not much. So awesome. Well, good for you guys. And and while you were doing that, I just plugged into to this time value of money calculator. So you have a net worth of about two thirty, and you said you're paying about you're saving about ten thousand a year, right? So if you were to save ten thousand a year, at, at, I just put a very conservative, I th- or I think is conservative, six percent for the next twenty years, you'll get you'll get to one point one. So you're well on your way, right? Yeah. And, you'll, and and you'll certainly hit there. And then maybe our our plan is to be at about two when we retire because that's our plan. Uh, We're being a little more conservative while we've got little kids and the kids actually like spending time with us. Uh, (laughs) Later later on in life, I feel like we'll probably have. I like that. I like that little subtle dig there. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's just. Yeah, uh, I I think that we will have more time to yeah. to invest even a little bit more. I, and I then think is, at one point is early retirement an option? Or I mean, I mean, you mentioned you like it, you enjoy what you're doing, so maybe not. But are you guys looking to switch gears or move somewhere else, or early retirement, or not so much? Yeah, literally. If I if we get ahead of our money, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hire a manager for my business, and I'm literally just going to go keep washing windows. I would just won't have to deal with, you know, sales and, you know, the taxes and payroll and all those things that go with it. I will just go out and wash windows every day. It's healthy. It's active. It's fun for me. And it's I go to go talk to all my friends. So I if we get ahead of, of the money and we're we're in a better spot, that's my plan is I'll just hire somebody to manage the back end and I'll just be a window washer the rest of my life. Brand, I want to get into to the window washing business a little bit and, and, and kind of the economics behind it and how you run your business maybe to, to help some of our listeners. But the money that you do have invested, how do you invest that? And do you plan to continue investing more in real estate going forward or, or how, how do you plan for your allocation to look as you go t- towards that $2 million? Yeah, I feel like the scrappy the scrappy way to do investing is more towards real estate. I, I heard once that, that the difference between stocks and real estate, if you do hands off real estate, like have a property manager and, you know, you don't deal with any of the, the getting your hands dirty part, you actually have a, a very similar return with stocks and real estate. And that makes sense because if there was, if one was higher than the other, then why wouldn't you just put in the other one. So I feel like the market is going to level those out. But the thing about real estate is you can pay your, you can choose to pay yourself, you know, the management fee, you can choose to pay yourself the handyman fee if you want to get in there and get your hands dirty. And so real estate is is my style because I can do those things. And so uh, my plan is just to buy what we do is we try to save up about $20,000 and then we buy a rental with that and you know whatever we need to to put down on it and then we just buy a rental and then have that just be paying off the mortgage and um we'll probably stack those mortgages so they all pay off 
like when we're 65 or something, but um, we haven't hit that point where a 30-year mortgage is going to pass that point. So we just get 30-year mortgages on them right now, and we're just going to let them pay off and and keep going with it. And any money that we make from the rentals, we just put back into it. We cap them out. We have a slush fund of about $5,000 for our rental right now, and that's our plan in the future is to have a cushion and then any extra past that $5,000 or whatever we feel comfortable having for emergencies, um, we just put back on the mortgage and, you know, snowball it, I guess. Interesting. So the the money that you have invested in the market, will you continue to, to, to add to that over time or is real estate really going to be more of the focus? Um, we have it in a Betterment account right now, which I, which obviously Vanguard would be a better place to put that because there's just that margin of percentage better there. Um, I just put it in Betterment because it was easy and it got me started. Um, I haven't really enjoyed putting money in stocks. I just, I just feel like the tangible, like being able to see it, it, it sounds petty. I've heard people say it on this podcast, even that like having real estate that you can touch and see is, is better for them. I'm going to say it too. I, I like being able to see my investment. I like being able to care about it and be there to see it grow and to, to change it. Like I feel like when you throw it in the stocks, you don't have to worry about it because it's just somebody, somebody else is worrying about that. But I just, I like to be able to see it. So yeah, I'm going with that. I'm real estate is, is our path. That's what we've chosen. We're hoping to have about four townhome equivalents and have those all paid off and we can live off of that is our plan so awesome now brandon let's get into the the economics a little bit of window washing do you have customers that are kind of recurring revenue for you or do you continually go out and, and source new jobs you know on a weekly monthly basis oh man that sounds so tiring uh yes yeah, so i definitely have i've had i have one customer that i have had for 17 years and he has me wash his windows every month so so yeah we definitely like a lot of our customers are twice a year or once a year and obviously there's some attrition with that every year but for me um yeah that that's where the that's where the business is really a beautiful thing same with like carpet cleaning those kind of businesses um the, the margins i think are a little better in carpet cleaning honestly i just enjoy window cleaning more and yeah, it's it's the reoccurring customers that really make the magic happen for sure. So really, I mean, you say two thirty, but your your business has some value too, right? I mean, you oh, essentially man. could sell it, right? I mean, you have equipment, you, customer list, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so, but I just told, I mentioned my my mentor. I, I mean, he's not really a mentor, but he's a good friend, and he's he's older. Um, he's about to retire from window cleaning and he's been in the Valley for probably 10 years. And I've just always looked up to him as the ideal for window cleaning in the Valley. And he tried to get out a year ago. And so he offered me the business. Um, and we just couldn't come to an agreement on the valuation. And I mean, I think that there's not a ton, there is some value in the business, but you know, when people hire a window washer, they're hiring branded, they're not hiring some faceless system like and so i don't i don't know that my business would actually transfer to somebody else very well my customers just know me and they they know the kind of service that i am going to give them when i'm double checking every at least double checking the work that's getting done and so 
there there is some value in the business, but I don't think that it's as much as I would like. I mean, I I would like to think that it's worth like a hundred thousand, but I think that if I really went to sell it, I don't think anybody would pay over thirty to forty five somewhere in there. But I mean, that's just that's just a, a small service based business for you. It's, it's more about the people than it is about the the actual business setup. So interesting. I would think it'd have some sort of value. I mean, if you got a brand that's that established, or do you run it under your personal name? Yeah, I, we have a we have a business name, um, okay. and it's and I do have employees that I I have two teams. Um, I'm on one team, and then the other team goes out too. So there is some amount of uh, we do have an, a certain amount of customers that are just expecting the work to get done. They're not expecting to see me. They know that I'm that I care about the business and that I have expectations of how well it's going to be done, and they know what quality they're going to get because I because I care. So. Yeah, it makes sense. So when you're charging people, do you charge them by per window or how do you go about pricing for your customers? I like to tell people that I can do it however they want me to. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the same price because I know I know what it's going to take to get their windows clean. I mean, I've done it for 20 years. I, I know down to the 10 minute mark how long it's going to take me to get the windows clean. So I usually just give people a flat price and say, hey, it'll be $230 to have uh, your windows washed inside and out. And so they, that takes all the ambiguity out for them. And I know what it's going to take to get them clean. So it's just a good system to give a flat price for me. So just real quick, Brandon, before we, we wrap up here, I just want to jump over back to your real estate. How did you get involved there? How did you buy that second townhouse and how did you pay for it? And, and maybe what is it cash flow now? Yeah. So we, we bought that townhome with we had just saved up some money and um, we, we lived in our town home for about seven years and rents and more like cost of housing had gone up a whole bunch around here. And so we're like, I don't understand why that is not a huge deal for people because we, we, when we bought our mortgage was $700 a month. And now for that same house rent on our house, would be about twelve to thirteen hundred dollars a month, and so in my mind, we're saving, you know, seven hundred dollars a month on what we should be paying for that size of a house. And so, I mean, in my opinion, we're just squirreling away seven hundred dollars a month the easy way because we already bought, and so we had just saved up some money and um, we bought a townhome that was worth. A hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. So we put twenty five thousand dollars down, and um, it makes us three hundred dollars a month profit on that. Like after after everything is said and done with the HOA fees and everything, we even we even put a percentage away for repairs and stuff like that. So which nice. has worked out. So. Yeah. On top of everything, we're we're profiting about three hundred dollars a month, and that just blows my mind. So yeah, we we snatched that thing up, and um, we're hoping to build on the building lot that we just bought, and then we'll rent out the townhome that we currently live in, and then hopefully buy two more before we retire. Yeah, so that gives you about four thousand in passive cash flow a year, right? Yeah. Good for good for you guys. Good for you. Yeah. So just to wrap up here, and I think we touched on a couple of these. So what's been your range of, of annual household income through your working life? 
Yeah, so we, we've definitely maxed out at 50000 Before that, it was just less and less and less. Um, my wife worked for a couple of years, but we were never, when she was working, we never even got over 35 together. Um, so we've, we've never made that much income. But my wife is really good at keeping our budget down. I mean, I, I mentioned that our budget has been $3,500 a month. I looked up our cost of living where we live and our cost of living is 45, like 45%. Uh, I can't remember how that works, but, and so we don't live in like a, a super low cost of living area. It's not like we're, you know, making it that way. Like it, this is my wife's just scrappy and she's awesome. And so um, we've been able to make that $50,000 go a long way, uh, you know, investing $10,000 or so every year and then living off of the rest of it. And so it's less than 50000 in short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. And, so, and, and you mentioned you spend about forty two k. So just in closing here, I mean, what's your advice on how to go? I mean, obviously, you've been successful. You're young. You have kids at home, right? You're going to become a millionaire here shortly what's your advice and and maybe just hit on budgeting because i know that's a big thing for you guys and something that we didn't really touch on in the interview yeah yeah i i do care a lot about budgeting i feel like the nice thing the the point that we have hit in our in my marriage with our money it's a beautiful thing because we have never we have never fought over money even one time and that is like if you don't get anything else from my talk here like that is the thing is we have never fought over money because we budget. And when we can look forward and look at all the expenses and have like money set away that we aren't worried about immediate emergencies, like you can, you can make plans and you can set goals and you can move forward with your life and like really fight together for something rather than fighting each other. Like, Oh, you wanted to buy this thing. Oh, you wanted to buy that thing. And I was just going to say that how we started was. We started by me just tracking. So like every every so often, I would just pull our bank register and see what we spent money on. And then after like six months of that, we put it in a budget and we we're like, hey, this is what we already spend money on. So let's that's our budget. And then over the next six months, we we're like, well, we spend kind of a lot on eating out. Let's just cut that out. And we'll put it towards something we actually care about. Cause yeah, if you look at how much we spend on eating out, it's, it's ridiculous. And so we just, and so we tracked it first and then we decided to nudge it. And through that process, like we've just hit a spot where we, we love our budget. We know, I know that I can make that much. We know that we're going to spend less than that. And we just never fight about money. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, good for you. And thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you sharing. I think your story will resonate with a lot of people. So uh, appreciate it. And everybody, again, that's Brandon Networth of 230 Entrepreneurial with a window washing business. So thanks again for coming on tonight. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate all the, or all the work you do. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.